us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. Yes, we are still doing this. Uh, That's right. The <laughs> prodigal sons are back. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And speaking of tag teams, let's open with the Royal Rumble. Uh, that was last Sunday. I paid real money out of my pocket to watch it. And Edge came back, and it was worth it. That, yep. Take my yep, money uh, for the Edge return. <laughs> And that is exactly what WWE has built their business on for, what, 30-plus years now. And I, I'm the same way. I mean, you know, you, you get that one moment, and uh, it makes the whole show seem seem better. And the Royal Rumble is always fun. Uh, I mean, I, as I was watching it, it, you know, it's just the format of the match it just makes it fun because, you you know, you don't know who's coming out next. You've got constant action. Something's, something's about to happen. You know, it's not a match where it's like it starts and then 20 minutes later you see the ending. Like you know, you gotta you gotta pay attention. Uh, so it's it's fun and yeah, the surprise return was was the return of the retired Edge, who is no longer retired, joining the likes of Daniel Bryan, Shawn Michaels, etc., who had career-ending injuries that didn't actually end their careers. Yeah, I mean, this is what WWE is all about: is they get you hooked in with people from your past and then they try to latch you on to somebody new you know when that's right when edge comes in and it's him and randy orton and i had forgotten until michael cole screamed out it's the return of rko (laughs) and it's like oh cool it is the yeah yeah that's right that's right i mean that was that was not i i wasn't watching a lot of wrestling in the you know mid 2000s when those guys were a team and um, you know, but I, I obviously remember Edge and Christian in the you know late '90s, early 2000s when they were both new and uh, put on so many great matches with the Dudleys and the Hardys. And you know, Edge went on to be a great single star, kind of in the era that I wasn't watching a lot. Um, but you know, it's cool, cool to see him back. And uh, you know, the, the main thing I guess you hope as a fan is that he doesn't re-injure himself. Um, because he had a pretty severe neck injury that, you know, was, again, supposed to end his career and did for almost a decade. Uh, but, you know, hey, the, obviously he's got cleared. They're pretty careful with stuff like that now. They're not reckless. So you got to feel like they're confident that he's okay to be in there. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you watched it on Monday. I thankfully <laughs> turned it on at the end and saw him yeah. talk to the crowd and, the, the thing that resonated with me that I think we as sports fans, not necessarily wrestling fans, but as sure. sports fans can, can all agree is you want your guys to feel like they went out on their own terms yep. because, because yep. they couldn't do it anymore or something. Like exactly. That. And, exactly. You know, and, and he didn't or he hadn't. Yeah. Uh, at least, you know, up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. You know, it's a chance for him. And you texted me this, you know to have a good final run. They signed him to a three-year contract. I assume he's not going to be a full-time guy, you know, wrestling every night and house shows and all that. Um, but, you know, he can be an attraction. He can be on the big shows. He can, you know, maybe have another run with the title, depending on what they do. You know, give him a short run with one of the world titles or something like that. Um, it would be cool, you know. And, and you're right. I mean, it, it, you know, wrestling isn't exactly the same as, you know, following football or basketball, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities. Um, you, you become a fan of these guys. You want to see them have their triumphant moments. Um, you know, Drew McIntyre got his at the Royal Rumble. You know, guy who's kind of just been a, a you know mid card guy. 
He was in 3MB, which was, you know, kind of a joke gimmick. He got and now he's from WWE. Exactly, exactly. And now he's, you know, they brought him back to NXT, and now he's uh, he's going to be in one of the WrestleMania main events against Brock Lesnar. They, they put him over big time in that match. I mean, uh, he got to be the one to end Lesnar's run. Um, you know, the, it was interesting booking because we were texting about it during it was a, it was a little bit of a slow start with Lesnar dominating and throwing guys out left and right. But in the end it was the right decision because it made whoever eliminated him. And in this case it was McIntyre look like a bigger star. Yes. I mean, I think that's true. I, I think it, it's hard to do, right? Because they basically spent 26 minutes yeah. of which a solid 18 were Lesnar by himself. Right. Lesnar just dominating. And yeah, they had the one little run where he was against the two guys from New Day and Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And then he took them out. And, and then it was again back to, you know, one guy at a time getting thrown out over and over and over. Now, he did put over uh, that Keith Lee guy very well. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. His reaction to him, he's an NXT guy that you can tell they have big plans for. And, and Lesnar, you know, gave him the rub, as they say, by reacting to him the way he did. Um, and, but then, you know, for McIntyre to get that moment and then to, to eliminate Reigns, who was, you know, most people presumed Reigns was going to win and get the, you know, the big main event, which he probably will still have a big main event at WrestleMania, but not from the rumble. Um, you know, it was, it was a big night for him and, and you, you know, you like to see them as you said, you know, yeah, they have old stars, but they need to build new stars. And it's one of the things they haven't done as well of late last probably decade or so is make you care about the new stars as much. Um, you yeah, know, I, we, think we, the, I think Daniel Bryan is the guy for that, and it's because yes. he, we missed him, and he was right. around, and everyone knew the backstory, the part right. that they weren't right. saying, which is he still thought he could go and was yes. trying to get back yes. in. Yes, well, and, and, the, and the first run for Daniel Bryan was was basic. I mean, truly, really did feel like fan created, like they were not. You know, the, the, the suits behind WWE were not going to give him the push that, that he ended up getting. But the fans just rallied behind him so much. They haven't, you know, I mean, you remember the glory days of Rock and Stone Cold and, and you know, guys you just you couldn't wait to see. And they were the good guys, but you couldn't wait to see. And it seems like that's not the case anymore. They, they're, they're, they're good guys are bland, generally. Uh, they don't do a whole lot with them. They don't take a lot of risks with them. And, and so I think, you know, it... it it makes us pine for the old days because the current days aren't as exciting, you know, and I don't know if McIntyre is, is the guy to fix that. I'm not at all sure, but he is, but you know, you like seeing them give a new guy a shot and, and, you know, build some new stars. That's what you got to do. You know, you can't rely on, on the undertaker to sell a big match every year. Like you, you got to start building some new faces. Uh, one of the uh, interesting things to me uh, during the broadcast uh, in the Rumble, they they mentioned that Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler were tied yeah. for the second most appearances, and they missed it on the live broadcast. But they showed the alternate camera angle on YouTube of Edge yeah. coming out and hitting the spear on Dolph Ziggler to start. And you see that, and you realize that that's why he makes all that's the appearances why they're in. because yep. he t- yep. the both of those guys <laughs> take hits so well. They know how to they take do. a bump and sell it. That they do, spear, they do. He basically ran as fast as he could into Edge's shoulder and then yes. leapt backwards <laughs> with Edge. Yep, yep. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, 
it was uh, it was poor camera work live to miss that his his very first move. That I don't know who was directing that, but uh, um, yeah, it was you know he, he looked good and, and you're right. Yeah, I mean they have some guys who are just you know kind of like sports. They're your glue guys. They're not usually the guys who are going to headline. I mean Kofi did have that run this year as the champ, which was cool to see. But they're the they're the intangible guys. They're the guys who come off the bench and you know they give you solid minutes and you know maybe they're not the stars, but they, they keep you going, and you need guys like that. And, and yeah, both of them fit that bill very well. Um, on, I believe it was on the ESPN Wrestling podcast, they were talking about Dolph Ziggler a year or two ago about why don't they put a, a title on him? How come he doesn't get a run? And it's because he can kind of make everyone look good. And, yeah. and if you yeah. put a title on him, that goes away because you want him right. to look strong. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it it feels like the window with Ziggler, uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was several years ago because it was when CM Punk and his wife were still in WWF or E, I guess, at the time. And Ziggler cashed in money in the bank and won one of the world titles. I can't remember which one. And he got a huge reaction and the crowd went nuts. And and then he got hurt shortly after. And he had to, you know, they either had him lose the title or gave up the title. I can't remember. And it feels like that was his window to become a big star. And it just didn't happen. And and so now he's kind of settled into the role of, you know, the complimentary guy who, like you said, you know, is the guy who can put other people over. Um, speaking of glue guys and guys who can help you out, uh, for ASU basketball in our college years, that was Jaron Ship. Um, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. In the current iteration of the team, maybe the reason why we're struggling to have consistency is I'm not sure we have that guy. Uh, and the no. team. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so since we last talked, let's let's give a brief recap. We, yeah, it's been up we, and down. Roller coaster. We overcame a 22-point deficit to the Wildcats and, and How won. How many points? Was it 22? Was it 22 points? We were down 22? That's what I heard. Wow. How about that? So Arizona had a 22-point lead and then they, they didn't win? They'd never lost a huh. game where they were up 22 before. How about that? In the pack. God, that feels kind of familiar. Like, wasn't there a football game like that not too long ago? Arizona had a big lead against ASU and then they didn't win? Yeah. Actually, I huh. think you're I think you're right. Um, okay. Was that, what, like 19 points, memory serves? I think it might have been something I like that. I believe yeah. so, yes. Um, okay. Very okay. similar. Okay. Well, go on then. I just wanted to make sure that I was I had all the facts straight because, you know, we're going to talk about this. I want to be on the same page with you. So a massive comeback. Maybe you're thinking this is a catalyst. This will springboard yeah. us to a, a, a little win streak to give us a little bit of breathing room, get us off of the mat. And we lose to Washington State by two. We lose to Washington State, yeah. I mean, it, and, and, you know, the thing I was thinking about on Thursday morning after, you know, that game was it just feels like, doesn't it feel like that's kind of been the story of our Pac-12 play, not just this year, but the last two years, mm-hmm. where we, we cannot sustain success. We, we win a big game. Uh, or we have a, a you know a big win, or maybe a weekend where we win both games, and then we go out. We like what's I mean I don't know the number, but I can't imagine we have a winning streak in Pac-12 play longer than three games. I believe it is early. three. I think is we it three? Had a, I think if I remember right, last year we, we won three in a row. We I kind of remember Arizona that Arizona and the LA schools, maybe yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that might have been the longest. And like you know, and and so one. 
that's hard to, to – I mean, it doesn't matter how good your conference is. If you're going to be a really good team, you've got to be able to string together wins. But also, this conference hasn't been that good. It's better this year. Yeah. It's not as good as I think it was supposed to be. You know, coming into the year, I mean, Washington's been a huge disappointment, um, and we get them tonight. Um, you know, Oregon's been good. Arizona's been yeah, pretty good, but but not as good as I think they were expected to be so far. Uh, Colorado's been okay. You know, but it, it hasn't been a great conference. But last year was a bad conference. The year before was was below average. And we went into both of those conference seasons riding high from great non-conference years this year. That was not the case. Uh, and it just seems like we're not able to sustain success. And, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, I remember last year, and this is out of conference, but we beat Kansas. We have this great moment. And then a week later, we lose at home to Princeton. And, and you know, you can't – if you're going to be a great team or even a very good team – you got to be able to back up success. You got to be able to, to have a big win and not come out the next game and look like you're patting yourself on the back for that last big win. And too often that's the case, it seems like. The other thing I wanted to talk about with the basketball program is something that I, I texted you, and it's, it's almost like we're in the opposite of the Sendek era in that. We are recruiting so well right now. We are in on guys who are in yeah. We are getting guys who, you know, I, I don't know if you saw, but Bagley became a five-star. I did. I did. You know, yeah. So things are pointed in the right direction with recruiting. We're in on Christopher. We're in on Cliff. Right. We've got a chance to right. have a really nice three-man recruiting class this year. But no one's improving. No one is getting yeah, markedly better from when they yep. come in. I agree. I mean, that is, uh, you know, I remember over the summer, I think it was, or maybe it was early fall, we were looking ahead to the basketball season. And and I remember saying, you know, I thought that a big key this year was going to be Cherry and Lawrence. Cherry going into his second year, Lawrence into his third. Uh, they both played significant minutes last year. Um, and now you were replacing Cheatham. And so you needed guys like that to step up. And they just don't look any better. They look pretty much exactly like they were last year. Um, and, and especially for Kamani Lawrence, who's now in year three, and you go back to you know the preseason before his freshman year when he was getting these rave reviews, and then he got hurt, and that's, you know, I mean, it's a bad break. But he's, you know, like, it's been two years since he got hurt. You can't continue to use that as an excuse. I gave him that pass as a freshman. Um, but, you know, we're just not seeing the progression, and, and yeah, I mean, that was one thing with Herb. I mean, Herb had his downfalls. He didn't recruit that well. He didn't keep guys. We had tons of guys leave every year, it seemed like. Well, guys but the who, guys who the exact, did stay. And the exact Herb mold is Trent Lockett. Trent Lockett, yes. from freshman to junior year, improved a lot. Got better. <laughs> yes. Just about every guy who stayed three to four years under Herb. And the, and the problem was there weren't that many. But just about everyone who did got markedly better by the end of their time. I mean, even a guy like Ruslan Petit, who was a seven-foot waste of space, basically, to start his career. I mean, if he wasn't seven feet, he would not have had a scholarship to play basketball. Became, by his senior year, a decent role player. I mean, he didn't become a star. He wasn't on a conference or anything like that. But you could put him out on the court and at least feel like he was confident. Um, and just about... I mean, you know, you look at Jordan Bashinsky, you look at Trent Lockett, you, you know, you look at Carrick Felix, uh, you know, th- there were a lot of guys under Herb that, you know, you mentioned some, you mentioned Jaron Ship, um, you know, some of the early guys, Derek Glasser from the early Herb years, Ty Abbott, 
McMillan. You know, they, they all got better from where they started. And, yeah, we're not seeing enough of that. You know, I mean, like, Remy Martin has been good, but Remy Martin started out pretty good. Yeah, Freshman year, Remy Martin was pretty good. Yeah, Kansas. yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's been pretty good. Um, Romello White, I guess you could say, has improved. But, you know, to be fair, from where he started to where he is now, he's gotten better. But, but that might be of virtue that. of the reps. Like, he, he might had be. to play all of the games because we right. haven't added a second big ever. Right, exactly, exactly. So, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the that to me was the key for this year was those two guys taking a step forward, and neither one has. And we're... You know, we're two thirds into the season now, so it's getting it's getting late early, as they say. Um, uh, you know, we're running out of time for them to have the light switch click on, and then you know, the new guys haven't really made the impact they were supposed to make. Alonzo Verge has had a couple nice moments. He had the game winning basket against Arizona, uh, but he's been inconsistent. There've been games where he's been no impact at all. Well, and the best um, game he had statistically was right. a game where we got blown was out by forty points. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, Khalid Thomas has, has you know, barely seen the court lately. Uh, Jalen Graham's been a, a nice surprise, but he's raw. You know, I mean, like, you know, he's, he's been surprising given the low expectation. Yeah. And, um, and Jalen House is able to play at a Pac-12 level as a freshman, yeah, which I didn't think was yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he's been solid, but, you know, it was it was the JUCO kids that were supposed to come in and make a big impact. It was Thomas, it was Burge, and it was Andre Allen to a lesser extent. And two of the three are not even seeing the court. And Verge has been okay. I mean, he, he's had, again, he's had a couple really nice moments where he's looked electric. But over the course of, you know, 20 or so games now, not enough impact given the, the hype coming in that, oh, he's just going to be, you know, fill up the bucket every game and you've never seen a score like this uh yeah i think i have actually so far uh now you know we'll see he's got another year i think at least I'm not sure if he was a three-year guy or two-year guy um so maybe he gets better but that's the thing is like you know remy martin and romello white have been pretty good beyond that there hasn't been a lot of of consistency there's been guys who've had some decent moments but nobody you can rely on game in game out and it's tough to win a lot of games when you only got two guys you feel like you can rely on. Yeah, that's for sure true. And then the shooting has been, you know, a bugaboo all year. Well, free throw uh, shooting in the Bobby Hurley era has been a disaster. It's just not good. And and three point shooting this year has been terrible. That's been a that's been a strength a couple of years ago too. I mean, you know, especially we were a really good outside shooting team, especially the first half of the year. We kind of tailed as the year went along. Um, and this team was supposed to be a good shooting team when you, you know, Rob Edwards and Verge and, and Martin and, and, you know, Khalid Thomas and you had guys who could spread the floor, Tayshaun Cherry, and that has not been the case at all. Uh, I mean, the outside well, shooting and the funk just Edwards not good. was in for the bulk of the season. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, he's gotten a little better. He, you know, he's, he's, he seems to have at least studied the ship. But, yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating. I mean, it, it's frustrating because it's year five for Bobby Hurley and we haven't, you know, like, like every, every program has lulls, um, you know, except, you know, unless you're Duke or Kentucky or, uh, you know, those, you know, yeah, you're going to have a, a lull where maybe the talent just isn't quite at the level you hope. But we haven't had the, the great years yet to accept the lulls. Like, I mean, the farthest we've been is the round of 64, which is, you know, not bad. 
but it's not that great. Like if we were coming off a Sweet 16 season and you lose some guys and you think, okay, this year might be a step back, fine. Uh, but we haven't had that yet. Like when are we going to have it? Because you know you're not guaranteed forever. Um, and you know the the basketball program was one of the subjects of that conversation with Ray Anderson that was in the Athletic. Doug Haller did and. I don't know if you noticed the basically indefinite delay in doing anything about Wells Fargo Arena. Um, we're going to do it. We're but just going to no build a, we're going to build a hockey place. Right. <laughs> first. Right. And, and so if I'm Bobby Hurley and I've got job prospects potentially somewhere else and he has, that's the type of thing that makes me nervous because I feel like, well, okay, what about me? And is he going to feel like kind of like Herb Sendek did at NC state when he came here, Let's get out before they push me out. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the case, but uh, you know, it just it, it alarms me a little bit. That was the one I texted you about that story, and I said, you know, there were some follow up questions I wish he could have asked, or maybe he did ask and didn't get the answers. But I read that and thought, well, okay, what's the timeline? Like you're telling me you're going to do it, but when are you going to do it? Is this like you know, is this like people who say, you know, I'm going to lose weight? When are you going to lose weight? Eh, sometime. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, when are you, when do you have this plan? Because if you're going to do this other arena first, that isn't even off the ground. I mean, there's, there's no progress made on the other arena. And that's going to probably take at least a year or two, I would think. So mm-hmm. you're looking at, you're looking at what, four years before you do anything to Wells Fargo? Or not what, whatever it's called now. Desert uh, Financial. Desert Financial Arena, sorry. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, and, and so, you know, coaches don't get uh, 15 years to build a program. It's, that doesn't work that way anymore. Hasn't for a long time. So, I don't know. I mean, the Arizona win was a great thrill. And, and I'm glad we got it. And, you know, of course, yes, you could pick up the heavy sarcasm like uh, Richard Hayden and Tommy Boy. I was laying it on pretty thick about the 22-point blown lead. Um, but... That's just the thing that bothers me is there's been too many of those moments with Bobby Hurley where you have these great thrills, and then a few days later you have to come down off the mountain because there's a letdown. Uh, and this reminded me of that. It reminded me a lot of Kansas last year. Big home win, everybody's happy, everybody's loving it, and then the next game, you know, plop, you lose to a, a you know a team you should not lose to. Uh, the other one of the other topics, a, a primary focus of that Doug Haller piece with Ray Anderson was on football. Yes. Um, we've added a couple grad transfer offensive linemen. Yeah. And we've Much lost needed. our number two recruiter. Yeah, to Oklahoma. And, yeah. and that's tough. Um, you know, the, let's start with the positive. Adding the linemen grad transfers, good. We needed that. Yes. We needed guys. Very much. Very much needed. I mean, you know, I read the story yesterday that, that Howler posted about, you know, after getting this kid from Stanford and then the kid from A&M a couple weeks ago. And, you know, you project the line. And if, if Cade Cody gets the sixth year, which they, they seem pretty confident he's going to, um, you know, you've got three veteran guys. And then you've got the two freshmen who started pretty much all of last year start on the right side. And then you've got your, your you know, your younger guys to be your backups guy, you know, that Ben Scott kid who they seem to really like. Um, and then Jared Bell who played some last year and this Ralph Rias kid. And, you know, you, you know, you start adding up the names and you think, okay, you get the, you get the makings for hopefully a decent group with some depth. And, and, you know, you look ahead to, and I'm not, 
by any means, you know, saying 2020 is a, is a, you know, forgotten year, but you look ahead to 2021 and you look at it and think, well, okay, maybe you got the, the makings for a really nice group in 21. You're going to lose the, the, you know, the seniors, obviously the transfers, but if you get these young guys, some reps behind them, maybe you've got a group that you feel really good about in 21 when Daniels is a junior. Well, and if you go nine and three this year, which I think is a realistic step, I don't think so too. Yes, yes. Um, if you can get to nine and three this year, then you're really building on something because all of this receiving yes. core is going to be sophomores right. and juniors. Exactly, exactly. Yes, you know all your all your true freshmen this year that played will be juniors then your guys coming in this year will be sophomores or redshirt freshmen like i mean i do i circle the next two years again i'm not at all saying oh well 2020 i don't care 2020 i mean i'm not being that fan those fans who well, always are like well the but, year after next we're gonna be good well and because um, of the defense you're gonna you risk you're gonna lose a bit you're sure, you risk sure. robertson and butler right depending on you know where they stand. I mean, you Robertson, if he has a bounce back year, would be a guy who's on the NFL radar. You think? Well, um, and you know, you know you're losing Lucas. You you can assume right. you're probably losing Jack Jones. Probably, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, you're gonna. But look, there's always. I mean, that's the thing about college sports. And I was thinking that in relation to basketball. And yeah, we lost Cheatham and Dort. That's college sports. Like you're you're never gonna have the exact same team back that you had the year before. It's just impossible and through early injuries and transfers. Under Billy Don. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that was, God, 13 years ago. You know, I mean, times have changed even since then. That was a rare occurrence then. It'd be even more rare now. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got to replace. And, you know, from what we've heard, they've recruited well on defense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I circle these next two years as the time to put up or shut up. Um, that doesn't mean they have to win a national championship in the next two years or it's a bust. But I do think you need to you need to you need to be in a conference title game minimum. You need to you know make a make one of these New Year's bowls something like that. I mean you need something weighty. You, look, you need to the, hit the expectations that Ray Anderson told yes. me to have. You need to top be a 15 top fifteen program. <laughs> yes, yes, and if you're a top fifteen program, then you're you're very likely in the conference title game or in a New Year's bowl. You know, one of those. I mean, there's twelve programs that make those New Year's six bowls. So, you know, the, the, the level is pretty close. Um, you know, the best accomplishment over the next two years should not be the Sun Bowl or even the Alamo Bowl. I mean, the Alamo Bowl is your second place Pac-12 game. And, you know, I guess it'd be better than what we've done recently. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, it's time. You know, we're hearing all these, you know, and, and I think deserved these, you know, rave things about Jaden Daniels. He's a transcendent talent. He's the quarterback we're going to build around. And he looked like it. Uh, and so again, put up or shut up time. Now, you know, you're going into year three, you got your recruits. Another thing, what did we hear? Boy, the 2020 and 2021 classes, that's where we're really in good shape. Okay. Well, well we the 2020 class is yeah. mostly in the fold and the 21 class obviously is, is the guys you're recruiting now for next year. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that over the next two years, there should be a significant accomplishment to, to look back on and, and say, and, and by significant accomplishment, I don't mean, oh, we beat USC or we beat Arizona. Those are good. Those are nice. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, like, I mean, winning those the Pac-12 South. Yeah. I mean, winning steps. the Pac-12. The, the you know. Beating Arizona, beating USC are steps towards the real right. accomplishment. 
which we've already done. You know, we, we lost to USC this year. But last year we beat SC at SC. We beat Arizona both years under her, which is great. That's awesome. Hope he can keep that up. But, you know, like, it's got to be more than that. You know, beating Oregon's great. Uh, but I'd rather, you know, like, okay, we beat a top 10 team. That's awesome. Um, I want to be a top 10 team. You know, like, I don't want to just beat one and have to be like, well, we played spoiler. That was nice. Loved it. Great moment. Big win for the program. But, you know, if, if two years from now we're looking back and saying, you know, the uh, the highlight was we played spoiler to a top 10 team who had a chance to make the playoff, that's going to be disappointing to me. Like, we, we should be that type of team. Yeah. And will we make the playoff? I don't know. I mean, that's... Okay, it's it's hard, and and you know to to kind of flip to the news about losing Jamar Kane. Um, I read this; I can't remember who it was, but there's a great point. You know, the hardest jump to make in college football is to go from the second tier program to the first tier program. It's really hard to break through the glass ceiling and join the Alabamas and the Oklahomas and the Ohio States, uh, and it, it gives you a tremendous respect, or at least me respect for what Clemson has done because they did it. They went from second tier, eh, pretty good program, good talent every now and again, maybe they make a decent bowl game, to a power. And it's hard to do. It really is. Because, again, you start making progress and what happens? You lose your assistant to Oklahoma. Because it's, it's just, it's hard, man. It's hard to, to convince a guy not to take a job at Oklahoma. That's a, it's a blue blood. Well, you know, and, and let's be honest, he left for the same position. But not the same yeah. money. He's no, you know. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's not even. I'm I'm saying it more in terms of reputation. But you're right. I mean, it comes down to money a lot of times. And yeah, I mean, being a position coach at Oklahoma is going to pay better than being a position coach at ASU. It's just it's hard. I mean, it, and it, like I said, it really. I mean, it's what's opened my eyes, and I've already thought it. But this news and what Clemson was able to do with their staff continuity. And keeping guys year after year after year, not having them jump to other places. And I think it played a huge role in building them into what they are now, where they've been in the playoffs five years in a row and they've won two national titles and they're getting, you know, top recruits all over the nation. They got, you know, they got the number one recruit for 2021 from California. Their quarterback this year is from California. Like that's unheard of for Clemson to be able to do that type of stuff. Um, but they, they just built it up and it, you know, it just, it's the thing that you wonder why it's so special that Clemson did it is because it's not easy to do. And, and so can ASU do it? I, I don't know. I mean, I hope so, but it's a hard jump to make. Yeah. And it costs money. Our, our facilities in football have improved markedly. Yeah. Yeah. But we still need to spend, I, you know. The thing that hit me this offseason, you know, Todd Graham took the Hawaii job, but yeah, yeah. Graham assistants are the head coach at Florida State, the head coach at Louisiana, I believe uh-huh. uh, NAU. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Jim Long, I don't think he ever got a job, but he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Yeah, Nevada, that's true. Norvell, uh, or Jay Norvell. It's two Norvells, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you're right. You're right. You know, they've gone on to, to do some pretty good things. Uh, and Mike Norvell, obviously, being the headliner, doing what he did at Memphis to get the Florida State job now. And uh, and Napier feels like a rising star. I mean, he had opportunities to go other places. Didn't, didn't take them, but you'd think he'd 
certainly could soon. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, that's exactly it. I mean, I, you know, you, yeah, we've spent some money on the facility and it's nice. Um, but you have to keep spending. Like that's the thing you, you don't, you don't just spend the money and then say, okay, we're good. We've, we've caught up and now we could just sit back and let it all come to us. You got to keep spending. You got to keep improving. You, you know, um, they have these grand designs to, you know, move the bubble over to north of the facility where lot 59 is now. And that's the type of stuff you got to keep doing. You know, you just, you cannot rest on your laurels and say, well, we got this facility. Everything's good now because other people are passing you by while you sit and watch. Yeah. And, and I did notice in that Ray Anderson interview, and it's interesting because I, uh, you know, I, I talked to Mark Brand, who's the, uh, the, you know, PR guy there and, and it's, you know, you can tell that this is their lingo that they're putting out there because Ray Anderson said it almost in the exact same words as Mark Brand a year or so ago. You know, it's not over the top lavish. We're not going to be over the top extravagant, but we think our facility can keep up with anybody. So it's almost like there are they're playing the, you know, well, we're, we're not going to be Clemson with we're this all world facility. And yes. Yes. You know, we're, we're better, we're better than we were. But don't expect us to keep up with Oregon and Clemson and Alabama and, and the, you know the places and and I guess that's fair. I mean, in, in a way, we don't have we don't have the same financial backing that those places do, um, and that's the thing that that frustrates you a little bit. Is you, you know you almost feel like you're playing a a game with a stacked deck. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. did you? I don't know if you saw the story this week about the money that the SEC generated and, and distributed oh, yeah. to their teams, and it's it's stark in comparison to what the Pac-12 got. It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I realize the Pac-12 is a major conference, but they're not on the level of the SEC or the Big Ten right now. Well, and this comes Just back financially. to the Pac-12 network and all it of the flaws with that. Uh, you know, make your deal with ESPN. Because I'll tell you yeah. this, I can't get it now. I can't, I am unable to get Pac-12 network. The only thing I can do, I looked into yeah. this because I'm moving. So yeah. Is I okay. can get Sling, and oh, yeah. Sling has it for extra on top of the normal program. But if I yep. get Sling, I don't get like ABC. The other things. Right, right, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I looked into it too because I, I've had my share of frustrations with DirecTV over the past few months, and and I've looked into the streaming services, and so few of them have it. YouTube TV doesn't have it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I did the free trial of YouTube TV this, this past football season, and, it, you know, it's pretty good. And they have a lot. They have ACC. They have Big Ten. They have SEC. They don't have Pac-12. Um, it, you know, so it just, yeah, it just leaves you behind the times. And, again, feels like you're playing um, against a, a stacked deck. You know, well, like, you're, like you're going out on the field playing 7-on-11, basically. The, the thing to me that's most frustrating is the argument coming back is, well, all of this stuff's going to realign in 2022 and 2023. Yeah. Well, so sign a contract that ends in 2022 or 2023. Right. You can jump right. back in. It's not that right. complicated. Oh, well, we're not going to pay you as much for a short-term deal. Fine. It's still more than you're getting now. I agree. I agree. I mean, well, and, and uh, you know, you say that, and I keep hearing that, and it, it almost reminds me of what I was just saying about the fans who say, you know, well, the year after next, we're going to be really good. Uh, the Pac-12 kind of feels that way right now. Well, just just wait three years, and we're going to be in great shape. Well, three years from now, the SEC is going to be making even more because ESPN is about to give them a giant bundle 
to take over the the Saturday, you know, main game that CBS has, has walked away from. Apparently, um, so I mean, the the money that the SEC got this year is just going to grow when ESPN, ABC gives them huge money, and the Big Ten's going to be coming up for a new deal. So this whole notion of like, well, just wait, it's going to get better in three years. Yeah, it's going to probably have gotten better for the Big Ten and the SEC as well. Yeah, what I think we're going to find, and I hope I'm wrong as a Pac-12 homer, is we are going to have a very lucrative Pac-12 deal in the 2022-2023 season. But it's still going to be worse than the SEC and the Big Ten, and it's because we didn't start early. You know, we control all of it now, which is true. We have no... We are not looped in. We don't need the infrastructure of someone else, so we can go anywhere. Right. But that's friction costs. That's not... That that is (laughs) not the... That is not the overarching impediment that, you know, the SEC is tied in with CBS. They are they are lock, stock, and barrel. The Saturday afternoon CBS game has been the Saturday yeah. afternoon CBS game forever. Well, they're moving on. And you know what? They're moving on. It, exactly. It, no one's saying that this is going to cost them a ton of money to separate. No, it's not. In fact, they're going to make more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I agree. It's, um, you know, as you're, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, this is almost like the – you know, I'm thinking like this is the guy who says, you know, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm single, so uh, you know, boy, all the supermodels will be interested in me. No, they're not. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, you know, yeah, just because the Pac-12 is unattached right now does not mean in two years that everybody's going to be frothing at the mouth to pay the Pac-12 all this money. They're not. Like, I mean, the Pac-12 has inherent limitations that will never be overcome. The not geographical the footprint being, of it. Uh, not, not the least of which being your standard. Seven o'clock kickoff for an ASU season opener is ten o'clock East Coast. Ten o'clock, and that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. Everything's on the West Coast. Only Colorado and Utah are even in Mountain Time Zone for most of the year. Arizona goes to the Mountain Time Zone for four months a year, but everything else is Pacific Time, and it's very spread out too. You know, it's not like you know this idea that was created. You know, we're going to have the Pac-12 title game in in Santa Clara. It's not the same as Atlanta. You and I have been to Atlanta. We've seen the the you know that Atlanta is the hub of the SEC. It's not that far from anywhere in the SEC, from Gainesville, from Nashville, from you know I mean except for maybe College Station and, and Columbia, Missouri. Atlanta's not that far. San Francisco's far from Phoenix and Tucson and Seattle and Pullman. It's just you know and so there's there's limitations about the Pac-12 that will never be overcome. You just have to make the best of them. They're yeah. the same limitations that existed 15 years ago when USC was a dominant program. So it can be done, but you know, like you, you have to make the best of them, and, and we're not making the best of them right now. Yeah. And I think what the other thing is is find your center. You know, for the Big Ten, it's Indianapolis or Chicago. Right. For, right. for the Pac-12, as you and I have discussed, it should be Vegas. It should be Vegas. And they are, they are you know, moving the Pac-12 title game the next two years at least to Vegas. And I think that will work better. Um, but, you know, the, the difference I can think of between the basketball tournament, which has worked well there, and the football game is the basketball tournament, you know all 12 teams are going. So you, a couple years ago, as a fan of ASU, you knew that you could go and see at least one ASU game there. And Football, it was you don't one. know that. <laughs> it was one. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I believe it was. It was the first. Well, one. it was. It was the first one, and wasn't it the last game of Herb? 
Yeah. You were there for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was more than two years ago. God, that was, geez, time flies. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the difference with football is, you know, as an ASU fan going into this year, do I have it on my radar that I think they could make the Pac-12 title game? And if they do, I wouldn't mind going. Sure. But I can't really plan it. You know, because it's a yeah. one in six chance that that's, they're going to make it. So that's true. It's but a that, little different. But that's what makes Vegas better than San Francisco. It's it cheaper, does. It's a cheaper hotel. It's a cheaper flight. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. In, in and, a very and, and crazy the, way, it, it's a safer feeling than San Francisco. It is. Too because, it is. Because everything is so compact. You can stay on the strip. You can right. do all these well, things. Well, the stadium is right next to the airport. Like, like directly next to the So, I mean, it's not like... You know, you fly to San Francisco, you got an hour drive to Santa Clara for that stadium. Oakland, the same way. I mean, San Jose is the best place to go to, and that's, you know, people don't think of San Jose as a travel destination, whereas Vegas is. So, yeah, I think it'll do better there, uh, but I don't think it's going to become Atlanta and the SEC. Again, there's just there's just limitations there that will not be equaled. You, you know, to try to pretend you're the SEC is foolish. You just have to try to keep up with them as best as you can. And again... Wasn't that long ago that USC was doing just that, and even more recently than that, Oregon was. I mean, Oregon played in two national championship games in five year span. So it's not like it's been eons since the Pac-12 has been relevant in football. You just you know, but but the gap seems to be getting wider, and I guess that's the concern. Yeah. Um. Let's pivot. Let's talk about the Super Bowl because apparently that's tomorrow. That's right. Speaking of San Francisco and, and their their new stadium there, the Levi's, the home of the NFC champion 49ers, and, and maybe the Super Bowl champions. We'll see. Um, so you wanted to pick the game? You, yes. You wanted to pick the MVP? Yeah. I'm prepared to make those picks. Okay. You want to go first? Sure. I think that the 49ers are going to win – I think it's going to be low scoring, but not like last year. Um, no, so I think it's not. going to be 24-21, and I'm going to say that Bosa will be the MVP. Man, I shouldn't have let you go first. I feel like now I'm going to copy everything. That's like really close to what I, <laughs> I was going to say. My, my prediction, and I thought of this last night when I texted you, so this is not just copycat, was uh, 24-14 San Francisco and Bosa as the MVP. Because I think defensively, they're going to be able to slow them down. And I'm rooting for Kansas City, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not anti-San Francisco at all, uh, you know, but, but I'd like to see Kansas City win. I like Mahomes. Um, I just, you know, there's too many Super Bowls I remember where it was like, you know, oh, the flashy offense and how are they going to be slowed down? And they get slowed down by a defense that's pretty good, who has two weeks to prepare. Um, and and I just think that's where we're headed. Um, now, I could be outdated. Some of the games I remember like that are 15 to 20 years ago, and the game has changed in, in favor of the offense since then. So I very well might watch that game tomorrow night and think, boy, you, you know, you get, get your mindset out of the early 2000s. Um, but that's that's where I see it going. I see, you know, yeah, I have Bosa, I think, you know, a couple sacks, forced fumble, something like that. He has a, a Von Miller-like impact, basically, on this game. Yeah, the, I mean, the other person, because if you think it's going to be defensive, I think it's either going to be him or Sherman. 
But but I those think would Sherman, be the most obvious ones, yeah. But I yeah, think Sherman's maybe. value, unlike Bosa's, you you can't scheme around Bosa. You're going to have to, you know, if he right. is going to make plays, he's going to make plays. With Sherman, you know, maybe they'll have him shadow Hill, maybe not. Right. But he, you can just not throw it in. And then right. that that exactly. probably would make him the MVP, but no one would vote for him because he would put up, you know one tackle. I agree. And, you know, no. Yeah, problem. and I just I think that if San Francisco wins, it's going to be based on pass rush and and pressure and sacks and you know it just feels like that. Like like if if Mahomes is getting time, then I think they're going to put up points and all, you know, but. Um, you know, he did against Tennessee, I will say. Boy, I mean, watching that AFC title game, they gave him all the time in the world back there. He had time to just sit, pick them apart. And, but I just think the San Francisco defensive line is, is really good. Um, and I think they're going to, you know, the Kansas City offensive line, eh, I mean, now earlier in the year they had some injuries. And so I know they've gotten healthier and, and they have played better lately. But I don't know that I trust them to hold up against that that D-line. And again, seen it before. I mean, it's, it's the Super Bowl 42 recipe. I was going to say, you know, four man rush. Yeah. 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 Four man rush pressure that the all world quarterback hit him, make him have to throw early. And what did they do? They held him to 14 points and, and they won the game. And, and, uh, you know, I, I just, I think that's where it goes. But again, I'm rooting for Kansas city. I'd prefer them to win. Nothing against San Francisco. I'm sure you have more against San Francisco. Um, based on your, you know, your text that night after San Francisco won the NFC title game, which features some expletives that I recall. Made me laugh, though. It was um, a frustrating... <laughs> I mean, as you and I have talked about, it is the better kind of loss, I guess, as a oh, it fan, is. because at, at halftime, I was Without like, all right, what else is on? Like, this is- you resign yourself to, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah, and you, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I held out hope. I kept thinking, like, sure. hey, maybe... Oh, sure. You always have that, you know, till the clock hits zero that there's the hope for the miracle comeback. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, you know, we talked about it last year when ASU got beat in the, in the basketball tournament and they got run off the floor and they, you know, it was never close. And like, well, all right, you know, you just kind of move on. It's a whole lot better than, the, you know, the game several years ago you went to in Milwaukee where we lost on a buzzer beater. And it's like, man, you know what? one bounce and, and we're into the second round and who knows what happens. You know, it's, it's easier to take. So yeah, it, you know, it is, but I, I know you're not, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of memorable battles between the 49ers and the Packers over our, our years going back to when we were kids all the way up through this year, I guess. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, Jerry Rice fumbled and we all know that. And he did fumble. And, and since did that fumble. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no instant replay back then, right? That was before yeah. replay was in. Yeah, it was before so. replay. And look, T.O. had like 20 catches that game. But he did. He did. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? It was uh, Jerry Rice did fumble. No no argument. I don't think even Jerry Rice would argue that. Um, but then, you know, Young made an incredible throw and Owens made an incredible catch. And, and yeah, they've, they've, uh, they've played a lot uh, over the years. And, you know, for a while, I guess they weren't. Niners went through a a lull there in the 2000s, but now the, the last decade they've been back in the playoffs a number of times. Well, Niners are a roller coaster. Yeah. Like they go from really good late 90s to stinking to really good with Harbaugh to stinking again to back to being really good. Yeah. So, no, I, I'm not a huge fan of the 49ers. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. I, I would like, I mean, 
from a personal level, I'd, I'd like it to be the Chiefs. I'd like Andy Reid to get his Super Bowl so, that, too, we can all, so that we can all say he didn't need it. He was a Hall of Fame all, right. all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and some people have already gotten ahead of that by saying before the game, oh, he doesn't need it, uh, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Um, it's, a, it's a good debate, and this might be a useless question in, you know, 48 hours or whatever, but do you think Andy Reid's a Hall of Famer if he doesn't win a Super Bowl? I think he I, should be. He's I lean yes. He's been yeah. to, he'll have been to two and yeah. to, what, a half a dozen conference title conference games? Conference title games? More than, gosh. I mean, the Eagles got to they got to five with McNabb and now two with Mahomes. So, and, seven. And so at least seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm remembering right. And been to the playoffs, gosh, I mean, in, he's been a head coach for 21 years. I would venture he's been in the playoffs probably 15 or 16 times. Oh, for That's sure. That's pretty good. You know, I mean, like yeah, pretty consistently in the playoffs. I think isn't he seven for seven in Kansas City, or maybe six out of seven? Yeah, making the playoffs. Um, they had the one really bad year in Philly as last year when he got fired. You know, yeah. and everything fell apart. But, but uh, you know, every year they were good. The decision to go to Mahomes over Smith, yes. like all yes. of these things are things. That he, oh, yeah. you know that matter well, that the, should go the success into his... that he's had with different quarterbacks. I mean, we we've talked about this before. I remember you know that he had success with McNabb. Then they moved on from McNabb, and they had to you know I mean Vic's Vic's best year probably came with Andy Reid. He had the highlight years with Atlanta, yeah. but his best year as a quarterback was 2010 with Andy Reid. Well, how about then Jeff you go to Garcia? Alex Smith, Jeff Garcia too when McNabb got hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah they went to the playoffs. Um, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's done it with a bunch of different guys, different ways of doing it. I mean, to go from Alex Smith, who's your classic sort of, you know, caretaker, conservative, checkdowns, you know, good. I'm not I'm not trying to knock him by saying those things, but you know, very conservative to Mahomes, who's more of a you know street baller, get out of the pocket, no look passes, deep balls, and and do it fairly seamlessly. Yeah, I mean, the guy deserves a lot of credit for that. And it is it is funny, the, you know, hindsight history now on Mahomes and, you know, well, the Bears should have taken Mahomes. Like, no one thought Mahomes was going to be this good. When the Chiefs mm-hmm. traded up to take Mahomes, it was pretty much greeted with, like, what are you doing? You know, give up that much for this guy who never really did anything in college? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Plus, you have Alex Smith. Why would you get rid of Alex Smith? Well, now it looks pretty smart. Mm-hmm. I guess the other storyline that I literally haven't heard anyone talk about, did you realize that Kyle Shanahan's dad is Mike Shanahan and that he had coached in the Super Bowl and won? I did. I did. And also that Kyle Shanahan apparently is 100% to blame for the Falcons' 28-3 collapse. Uh, not, not you know, the defense that fell apart, not Devontae Freeman whiffing on that block that led to the fumble, but Kyle Shanahan only has that collapse on his head, I guess. Yeah. So interesting, you know. Yes. It feels yeah, like yeah. It feels like there could have been more during the two weeks to talk about, but I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it was. Uh, it's a relatively. What's the word? I mean, I'm very much looking forward to the game, but it's a. It's been a pretty controversy-free build-up. The Patriots aren't there, so there's no, you know, allegations of cheating like there was a few years ago, or even a few years before that, with their various scandals that broke during Super Bowl week or leading up to Super Bowl week. Um, you know, no uh, no stupid comments in the media, really. Uh, you know, I mean, even even the Tyreek Hill story, not really a big one. You know, like, that could have inflamed, but not really. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's just been kind of like, okay, two teams getting ready to play a football game, which is kind of refreshing, but it, it's led to uh, a weird week. And, and obviously, and you know, we're not going to go deep into it, but the Kobe Bryant news, I think, changes the tenor of things, too. Yeah. Because the media still has the same amount of time to fill, but they've had other things to fill it with. And and so, you you know, I mean, on a normal Super Bowl week, you might have seen more talk of Tyreek Hill. And, uh, you know, but instead... It's been very focused leading up to today on Kobe Bryant, so there hasn't been as much time to create stories in the Super Bowl week. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, you know, we'll see what happens in the actual game. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, I will say, as somebody who hates the Patriots and is certified on the record hating the Patriots, I'm just glad they're not in it. It's a it's a huge relief, and it, just as it was for the AFC title game, to like I just get to watch and have fun. There's no there's no Patriots to hate. I I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything specific that we're missing? I think that that about covers. Uh, you know, well, I mean, I'm sure things have happened in the last three weeks, but uh, you know, we we pretty much covered it. We got we got football second signing day coming up this week, so next time we talk, we'll. See if maybe we've added some players, maybe a quarterback. It'd be nice to add a quarterback, but I don't know if we're going to. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, the the football season is coming to an end. Feels like just yesterday we were talking about you know the beginning of football and making our picks, and in about six months we'll be doing it all over again. Yeah, we'll be back with a little bit more regularity than we had the last couple of weeks. Um, yes, I hope so. We, I, I mean, I know you all have missed us, and I've missed you. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the uh, the outpouring of silence on social media I mean, about our absence was deafening. I so. think I think it was really just people sad. Yeah. Like they didn't want to say, "Hey, where are you?" It was more like, you know, "Hey, you're going to be back, right?" And then you know, you just kind of feel that absence, and you you, you know, you don't want to in you know inflame the wound by saying, "Where are you?" You just try to move on. Yeah. But we're back. We're back better than ever. We're back, as Mike and Mike used to say. And uh, yeah, we're 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 back in the in the saddle again. And uh, hey, in about a month and a half, it, it'll be bracket picks time. It's right around the corner. Yeah. Time to it's it's time for us to make ourselves college basketball experts over the next six weeks, so that we can make these picks like we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. <laughs> it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>